0: Welcome to the Future Think podcast from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with my colleague, Andrew Maynard, we chat with a variety of experts on and off campus about science, technology, innovation, and policy. This podcast brings you the hallway conversations where we think about our collective future. On today's episode, Andrew and I brought back two of our very fun podcast guests. Adam DuPay, who was our first guest on our podcast, and also Jamie Winterton. Adam and Jamie both work in the field of cybersecurity as researchers, as uh, policy thinkers, as educators, and it was so much fun to bring them together. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode, which is fairly wide-ranging, and I will warn you up front, we laugh quite a bit during this episode. Before we begin, As always, please subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And we've heard from people who have Android devices Why aren't you on Google Play? Well, look for us very soon on Google Play. We will be there imminently. Uh, You can also subscribe to us on Stitcher, if I didn't say that already. Um, You can find us on Twitter at FutureThinkPod. Some of you have tweeted at us, and we really appreciate it. Um, You can let us know what you think on our Facebook page, FutureThinkPodcast. You can also find show notes from our podcast, both at SoundCloud and also at our podcast's webpage at the School for the Future of Innovation and Society's website. Our site, our uh, URL is sfis.asu.edu forward slash futurethink. So thank you again very much for being with us. Oh, and please tell your friends. And now on with Adam DuPay and Jamie Winterton. We are here. Let me just orient us all. because I mostly need the orientation. Um, but Andrew is here, and Adam Dupay is here, and Jamie Winterton is here. And for our loyal podcast listeners, you will know that all of these people are now repeat guests and, and friends on the podcast. And we... Uh, Made the mistake of starting to talk before we turn the microphone on but now the microphone on, is on and welcome to our conversation We are talking about um, What's his name? G- what do you call him? Uh, GeoHot
1: is his hacker handle George okay. uh, Holtz is it, I
0: think? H-O-T-Z
1: Hots, yeah, yeah. Geo Hots, Geohots. that makes sense And
0: this is fresh off the presses, which is a mixed metaphor um, from Wapo um, about his uh, self-driving car hack so, Adam, tell us the story again.
1: Yeah, so Geo Hot is a very famous hacker in the hacker community. Um, he was one of the first people to completely exploit either the PS2 or the PS3. I don't remember exactly which one. Um, and that's how he kind of gained notoriety. He's very famous in hacking competitions. He um, competed, he went to CMU for a while and competed with their hacking team. Mm-hmm. But he would also compete on independently on his own in hacking competitions and compete in the top 10. So you letter in hacking? That is uh, can you letter in hacking? <laughs> I've actually have thought I wanted to do this, is to make hacking, see if I can make hacking like an, a...
0: varsity a, sport? A team sport, uh, yeah, at ASU, yeah. and you
1: can have actual, like, a, you know, teams. Like, that would be super. Intellectual. So yeah, I don't know, I, um, but anyways, Geohot is very well known, and so from what I understand, he kind of quit the hacking game, the security game for a while, started a company in order to develop self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. And so this was his thing. He wanted to kind of do it and he was trying to take this hacker kind of mindset to developing self-driving cars. And I think the ultimate goal was a system you could just plug into your car and have it be essentially self-driving. Until... Very recently, he got a letter from.
0: What do we say? National Highway Transportation. Authority. Safety. Yes, oh, yes. Yes. Transportation. yes,
1: yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, saying, hey, this sounds very interesting. What you're doing? Make sure you talk to us about security before you sell this to a single person. <laughs> and so, from my understanding, he got very demoralized about that, and um, and now we have new new information now about There today. seems
0: to be a. Uh, open source software and wait let me pull the article up again.
2: So why are you looking for it? So this intrigues and troubles me, not from the security perspective but just the, the the mechanics. Well, it should really concern me from, <laughs> from a, a security perspective. perspective. <laughs> but, but no, just, just the mechanics. So I know in mm-hmm. my car um, I don't have automatic steering. I don't have the, the lidar systems to detect what's around me. Mm-hmm. So how does this hack work, or does it is it only likely
1: to work on cars that are already equipped with the appropriate servos and sensors? I honestly don't know. Right? Um, I would think so. Modern cars. I know they all have the. Um, the data port that I can't remember what it is. Sure, yeah, so they're all sort of microprocessor control. Yeah, so so you you have, you can, and like I um, got from my parents a um, device you could plug in there that would keep track of where your car was and your Mm -hmm. mileage and all that kind of stuff. Kind of like what you get now on a Tesla. Right. You can see Mm -hmm. everything about your car this applies to any car. So, so depending on what that provides.
0: Right. So we did that when our oldest child got her driver's license. Mm. Um, and so we could <laughs> see the cruel first cruel and
1: t- unusual
2: parent.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was pretty mean. Kind pe- yeah. Yeah. So, but we would, like, watch her. And, I mean, it's You're the right. same as, like, As I said. <laughs> listen, when the yeah. baby's born, you watch them sleep. And then you just keep watching them. But we would watch her, like, get lost. And then, like try to find where she was and then Did stop and pull off the road because she knew that she couldn't use her phone while she was on the oh, road. And then yeah, our nice. phone would ring and wow. she would be like, I'm lost. And we're like, I know. <laughs> so you
2: reminded her of that, right? Uh-huh. You are making sure. Right. So, so, that- so now I'm not quite sure what
1: worries me more. This <laughs> or some driving Yeah.
0: She knew, though. We told her that we were putting this in. But but I agree.
1: I think you would need additional sensors. At least that's what, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've seen any of the cars driving around the Phoenix area, the Google cars, where you can see they have the, the, I think, probably LIDAR on the top. Right, that's right. Sensors. Yes. yes. I think you'd need more. Because the car needs to be aware. But then when you're looking at at levels of autonomous
2: vehicles, there are multiple levels Mm -hmm. of autonomy, sort of all the way from sort of do you use a stick shift or not, all the way through to can this car completely drive itself without any human intervention. Mm -hmm. And I wonder whether we're somewhere on that continuum with this.
3: Probably. and uh, Each functionality is going to add complexity to that vehicle, right? Every single autonomous piece that you put in, it is a spectrum from being completely manual to completely autonomous. Each one of those additions in autonomy is another Element that could be exploited. Right. Right. Yes.
1: And not yes. even that. If you think about the DIY nature, if you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even if it's part, part of the instructions, buy these specific cameras, mount these on these parts of your car. Mm-hmm. Those are all points of failure that you could do incorrectly. Yes. yes. They fall off. All the things driving at speed.
3: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to be hacked. It could just be. You. Yeah. Why?
1: Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so we always worry about user error and security. So it brings to mind: was it
2: Toyota with uh, the the brake or the acceleration problem, where the, the car? I think it was the acceleration problem, it, wasn't? It, where the car decided yeah. to accelerate independently of what the It's
0: the driver known. Was doing. That's actually a known thing in. Oh, and and I'm not intending to commit libel against any company. However, (laughs) um, I want to say it's like Hyundai or one of the Datsun something and an older model car, but it was happening, uh, not happening enough that they... Did a recall? They just figured that doing settling on a case by case basis. This just happened to a friend of mine. Right. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. So, but the point is that that you have got these multiple systems, so mm-hmm. you don't need to go all the way to full self driving to have those vulnerabilities. So even if it is just brake or accelerator control, mm-hmm. if there's a glitch in the system, mm-hmm. um, you've got a serious problem. Especially if you're going
1: seventy miles an hour down the highway, mm-hmm. and this yeah. is particularly tricky with cars because the way. I I've studied this a little bit and the networking on the cars they're all basically all the components are on the same bus right mm-hmm. and any component can talk to any other component there's wow. no it's not like the IP networking TCP that we are mm-hmm. so 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 once about. you're in you've got access yeah, to it and that's awesome. how the the GPAC that mm-hmm. we talked about I think before happened where Um, Charlie Miller, and I can't remember the other guy, uh, hacked into the Jeep and they presented it at DEF CON. Mm -hmm. And it was in Wired as well. This is how they do that, is they get on, they get a device that's on the CAN bus, and then basically they're able to send commands that say, turn left, turn right, or accelerate. Mm -hmm. So you now get back to this hack. And
2: uh, does the article say whether it's actually a a sort of a plug-in module or...
0: It's the code, and I quote Washington Post, thank you. Um, The code, which is available on the open-source collaboration platform GitHub, allows (laughs) anyone but really hardcore hackers to build a dashcam-like device that they can set up in their car. It plugs into a port in the car called a controller area network or bus, and most cars built built after 2006. Yep. Um, users must oh. build a device with a 3D printer, which we happen to have one right outside my right. door here, that's because that's so what we do at ASU, sense. and <laughs> have an Android 1 Plus 3 phone to run the code oh. and provide the camera that can scan the road.
3: For those of you the podcast, Adam is slumped down in his chair. <laughs> <laughs> here I was
1: thinking you'd have to buy it. a fancy camera. Adjected and it have its own thing. No, yeah. you yeah. have your Android phone that's running. God knows what that you've downloaded from who knows where. Right, right? Right. And you're, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna connect this to my, to my, to the bus of my, my car that controls my car. Oh, so, man, so is this a so case of the weakest wrong, link? Uh, you can have all these <laughs> systems and it's the weakest link that ends up creating
2: the vulnerability. Here's the
0: thing, the weakest link, as it turns out, is every single time, the human.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm,
0: right. yeah. yeah. right. Wow oh wow, okay.
1: But I mean, the hacker side of me loves this. I mean this <laughs> sure. is very much, like, The fact that it's with a car is just what upsets me, right? I mean, this is how, since the 80s, the Silicon Revolution and Silicon Valley, right? They're trying to make whatever they can out of whatever parts they have, and that's mm-hmm. part of but the but hacker mindset. But there's this real frisson
2: mm-hmm. here, so I, so I get this as well. I mean, yeah. I grew up just loving yeah. to tinker with things, seeing yeah. what I could do, mm-hmm. pulling things apart, putting them back together again. So yeah, I, this sounds fantastic to me, but you've got to think about the broader social responsibility. And how do you square those off together? Well, we you... never do that.
3: Right, okay. That's, that's right. not any fun. I, well, see, that's it's, the And problem. we just don't do that enough. Right. right. How Which do we, we get, do we we get people problems. to want to do that?
0: Yeah. yeah, how do we get people to want to do that?
2: Well, be responsible. Well, yes. see,
0: <laughs> well even if they're not going to be responsible, at least think about being responsible. Right, mm-hmm. right. And, uh, you know, if we were going to pulling from what we talked about that you know little systems make up big systems and how do we think about being responsible at a little level and connecting that and sort of drawing those lines to these are community level and state level and national level issues and beyond you know regional geopolitical issues. Yeah.
1: I, I think that's part of the issue here. That's part of my problem with it. It's not you just tinkering in your garage, building some cool thing for you in your house. Right, mm-hmm. right. This is something that you could. I, who not, you know, Has he tested this on the road? Is somebody going to download this thing, set it up in their car, and test it on a road around real drivers? Like right. that elevates. And, and it's the fact that there are other people, yes. right? So, if
2: it was just you on a completely empty yeah. road, I mean, I would still, still say there's huge questionable responsibility there. Sure. It's your sure. life is in question, but then when you've got other people on the road as well, you've got a far greater responsibility, not only for whether the device goes wrong, but whether somebody manages to hack into it and gain control over your vehicle.
3: Right. Oh. So often we ask this question, like, can we do this? Mm-hmm. We don't really ask the follow-up question, should we Should we? we do well, this? that's right.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So... <sighs> So well,
2: so I'm pushed into a luddite position that I don't want to take. Everyone is depressed.
3: We'll talk so, to you next week. So right. so, at, so,
2: so the referees players here. The. Uh-huh. the the, the folks like this who are developing the technological capabilities mm-hmm. there are then going to be the early adopters that decide they're going to play mm-hmm. around with this and use it and maybe develop it further mm-hmm. and then you've sort of got a, another circle around that of people that maybe aren't technologically competent mm-hmm. but they still have access to this and they're going to see what they can do. Right. So within each of those, I and mean, there are many more circles, but in each of those how do we develop a culture of responsibility so people can still do what they're motivated to do Mm -hmm. but do it in a more responsible way and i i suspect that how you develop that culture is going to be different in each of those circles
0: well is it um building a sense of empathy a sense of you know community responsibility and know we've talked about that a little bit in terms of education and educating you know at the university level but then do we back that out to you know secondary and primary education and that we have generational lag then if we think about you know building that sense of responsibility and well we've got a whole bunch of you know older folks who aren't going back to elementary school. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: And there's another aspect of that, and, and it comes down to risk with me being mm-hmm. the risk guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Doesn't that, it always come down uh, to well, risk? Well, it, really? you know, this is why I try and tell people that risk yeah. is everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you've got this, again, this, this challenge that if you try and factor all the risks out, you never achieve a single thing that's you've, right you've got to have that ability to experiment and take some sort of risks mm-hmm. but then the challenge is how do you work out what is an okay risk versus what is not an okay risk yeah. um, and I think that's where we need to be so if you look at the the actual development of the device I the, to me there's nothing wrong in this this is really interesting and innovative well, <laughs> yeah. but but how does the the developer have that mindset where they think about sort of what are the possible consequences here, what are the consequences that we can work together on to, to deal with and, and handle, versus what are the consequences that are in a completely no go area that means you should steer things in a different direction. No pun intended. No. Uh-huh. I, 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 yes. Thank or you for spending that. Intended. And, and I've got. A, and I've been, for you. And mm-hmm. of course, if you've got somebody who is intent on causing harm, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But I'm guessing that most people in this area—they don't want to cause harm. They actually want to do interesting things that are going to mm-hmm. benefit people's lives. So how do we mm-hmm. give them that framework that helps them achieve what they really want to
1: achieve without doing something stupid? Yeah, I mean, we okay. look at all of the good that. I mean, if you think look at this as an open source project, right. right? And we think about how much things have advanced with Linux being open source and now vast mm-hmm. majority of the world's servers run Linux, so all the right. websites we know and love are running Linux, mm-hmm. you know, and that enabled a whole different type of culture to take off. So when you, if you look at self-driving cars, right, they were kind of in the domains of the Googles and allegedly the Apples mm-hmm. and the Ubers, mm-hmm. right, to develop these things. You know, there's no way normal humans could play with that without being employed by one of these big companies. So right. now, does this maybe revolutionize the development of the uh, autonomous vehicle because right. now anybody can try it out and play with it. Like you said, right? Like that, there is innovation that can exist there, but I also see that there's a lot of risk. And I, I feel like for this one, compared to running Linux on your server, is not dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: If you like this podcast and you're enjoying the conversations that we're having, you might be interested in our master's program in science and technology policy. You can get more information online at sciencepolicy.asu.edu. And now back to the conversation, Jamie. The last time you were here, we talked about uh, you know national security issues mm-hmm. and that you know cybersecurity as a national security problem is a vast unknown, but we keep pointing to it as, and I just saw a headline in Le Monde this morning that talked about um, the election and ha- France's election during the cyber war. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, it's institutionalized as mm-hmm. a cyber war now. We don't even know what that means. <laughs> right, yeah. or who's playing.
1: Right, <laughs> yes. or who's playing.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, so how should we think about that? Like, should, should we try to be advancing this conversation in sort of a societal responsibility
3: way? I think we should be advancing it in a more uh, productive way. We talk about cybersecurity in society all the time, but it's mostly in this very fear-based, everything is horrible and there's nothing you can do. And, you know, people are waving their hands around and kind of admiring the problem, not really saying mm. what are uh-huh. practical steps that actual people can take. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what are what are real places that we can make progress? I know last time we talked about the whole the geeky aspect, because geeks love to geek. Right, oh, yeah. and uh, Adam's and, like, and, yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Love that um, figuring out how to. I th- think it's having a better conversation. Okay, what do you yeah.
2: think? no, I think that makes. Perfect sense. I, I love that phrase. What was it? Admiring the problem. Admiring the problem. Yes. I we get caught up in that so much, especially when things hit headlines. We're not interested in finding solutions. We're just interested in that emotional hit you get from admiring yeah. the problem. Yeah, cyber so war sounds really scary. That, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think you're exactly papers, right. How do yeah, you get over that and have this more productive conversation? Mm-hmm.
3: Right. I get at least three emails a week about you know, come to our panel where we talk about. How cyber sucks, like just really scary, and they never mention, and then we're gonna talk about things that we can do, or Mm -hmm. measures that we're taking. It's just always about the
2: negative. you think about, I and mean, I'm going to get back to risk again, but you think about how we learn to live our lives in what could be a really risky environment. Mm-hmm. Even walking down the sidewalk, realising there are these death machines sort of shooting along at 30, yeah. 40, 50 miles an hour next to us. Running code that somebody just downloaded. Well, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now you just destroyed my whole analogy. No, I love it. it. I think so it's making it good. It I think it makes, good. It, makes think it better. Good. Right, <laughs> right,
3: death <right>. machines, <laughs> I love it. But, but
2: before, bef- before we had that, I, we learn you don't step out into the road. You, you understand mm-hmm. the rules of right. Keeping yourself and others safe. And it's not a large stretch to think that we can still think of developing those rules to keep ourselves and others safe in this changing world. Mm -hmm. We've just got to make sure we identify those rules and people get them embedded into their their psyche.
0: Well, and there's different sets of rules, too. So there's the set of rules that says you walk on the sidewalk and not in the street. And then there's also the sets of rules that say if you are a driver, you operate your vehicle at this speed according to these conventions. Right. Uh, this is what happens at a four-way intersection, which I will say around my house doesn't always go the right way mm-hmm. That you would expect it to go based on societal conventions um, <laughs> but, but Should there be are there different sort of lanes of? Responsibility and of, of what one should advance as sort of social con- cyber social conventions
1: so, yeah, I think I think part of the problem is on a lot of us in the security community, right? Mm-hmm. I think as a whole, we've done a poor job of translating our technical knowledge of all the dangers mm-hmm. of the things that mm-hmm. are out there into actual, actionable advice that people can actually do to make themselves mm-hmm. you know, improve their safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think, to go back to Andrew's point, people don't realize they're walking on a sidewalk and there's death machines. I think that's, that's it. Yes. I think Very that's the problem. Yes, yeah. We haven't... And even then, the risk, you know, the risk there is that you will get hit by a car and it will hurt. Mm. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's kind of, you have this immediate it feedback. hurt, which is the bigger problem. Okay. Yeah. Then <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you don't care. Yeah. Well, well, no, no, no.
0: But like, you don't know. There's no hurting. It once hurt but that's stopped. true. Yes. yes. yes.
1: So yes. yeah. So but we. So part of that is the feedback of how you're doing in your let's say personal security mm-hmm. hygiene. Right. The feedback is very low and often delayed. Yeah. Right. And it. The worst part is we have this kind of herd aspect where, because I'm doing things poorly, I have a cyber toaster that I bought or toast, cyber we toaster. We had to get back oven. to, the I, to the I had to bring it. back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or fa- do you have a name for the toaster?
3: Oh, it has, there's, it's I a forgot thing. what it is. There is an actual cyber toaster. Toasty 4000 so, But yeah, so let's, Toasty 4000 toast face. <laughs> <such> <laughs> <as> <laughs> a yeah. Yes, um, so, I like So yeah, so
1: you know, because I had this device, or because somebody made this device, it's insecure. I never change the password. I don't update my computer. Mm-hmm. It may not even affect me. It may be used to attack other people, mm-hmm. right? And that's mm-hmm. really, so you have these negative externalities and nobody really, you know, it's it's. I feel like people don't realize they're walking next to a busy so street. Yeah. I've yeah. got to
2: wonder then whether there is partially a, a legal response to this. So, so imagine you got toasty, m- toast, toast. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Who is so hacked? Love like. you guys. And, and and that hack stuck. affects somebody else, <laughs> but you are held accountable and, re- and liable for that. So somebody could take you to court for mm-hmm. your toaster. Had. So sure. take so that to
1: the car, right? This is kind of what I've been thinking there about. We We've been yes. sitting there. So yes. I get this stuff, download it, run it, I'm on the road running this cool car stuff, mm-hmm. it crashes into somebody. Is it my fault? Is it the guy who wrote the th- mm-hmm. but then I say, but I use this stuff that you know I found online right. I didn't right. crash the car. This right. thing was driving the car. Mm-hmm. I think that's gotta be unraveled. Yeah. But you can imagine
2: a situation where if you are the consumer, you buy this tech and you plug it into your car. You are ultimately responsible for what happens. Right. There. I, I would the yeah. that. is the operator, yeah. Is the operator
0: responsible? Is the designer responsible? And this is a question mm. that we ask about, you know, uh, home medical interventions right. and all right. kinds of stuff. Yeah. People
3: have such faith in technology. They do yeah. they have such <laughs> faith that it's been created in, in a, a responsible and secure way. Which is kind of painful to think about, yeah. And they, they 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 really have that trust, like I. So I was sitting on an airplane waiting to take off, and I got this text from my mom. This says, "Hey, how do I disable two factor authentication?" And oh. I was like, "What?" <laughs> and she said, "Oh, the Apple, the guy at the Apple store told me I yes. needed to do that right. to fix this problem." And I was like, "Hold on," <laughs> <laughs> you know. But yeah. because that was recommended yeah. by, mm-hmm. by a, a technical person, right. she but thought, yeah. "Well, this must be the right answer." Like how should she be allowed yeah. to assess the risk? Yeah, I um...
1: And that's the thing is because we don't have that analogy, right? Like you yeah. don't realize mm-hmm. you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Right. right? So, then, right.
3: Jamie, you wrote this article. It was in Slate, right? About the don't use Wi-Fi anywhere you wouldn't go barefoot.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's the one. Yes. And is, is it that, that kind of analogy seems like going barefoot, those are things that people understand. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I've had several people say, like, Thanks for the really gross analogy. Like <laughs> I can't use public Wi-Fi now without getting really squicked out. And I said, "Good, that was the point. Right. <laughs> you should. You yes. should. Yeah. 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 It is exactly. gross." Yeah,
1: it's the same thing. Turning uh, to bring it in a completely different direction, I've tried to do this with my mom and my parents. Have tried to explain why sending personal information like your Social Security number, your credit card number in an email is a bad idea because mm-hmm. an email is like a postcard. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. you've written all the information on it and you just put it in the mailbox and anybody who sees that and touches that can read what you wrote mm-hmm. right? we don't have envelopes where we close things and we have an expectation of privacy yeah, emails right. are completely open so this mm-hmm. gets back to
2: education on multiple levels yes. I, I clearly, and I, we, we've touched on this before but, and I don't know whether this exists so K-12 education there has really got to be cybersecurity hygiene mm-hmm. training if there isn't Just to embed it into people's ideas, this is how you behave, like walking barefoot, especially Mm -hmm. when there are sharp things around. Mm -hmm. You know not to do that. But for those of us who are no longer in k 3 child education, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: where do we go to be educated?
3: There's not a good answer for that yet. Right. And there there
2: should be. If I want mm -hmm. the the five-minute primer on what I definitely should not do and and how to make my life Mm -hmm. livable by not doing those things... I really need to know where to go. Right. right.
3: And, th- and that's the threat surface is always changing, too. So right. you'll always right. need to keep updating people, whether they're in the educational system or not. Right. Mm-hmm. So Slate asked me to do a piece several months ago about elderly people in cybersecurity because mm-hmm. they do have certain vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. So they tend oh, yeah. to have saved up a nest egg, so... Uh, you know, they tend to be a little more trusting. They tend mm-hmm. to, you know, believe in the technology a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I, I interviewed my parents. Mm-hmm. I said, "Where do you get your cybersecurity information?" They're like, "From your year. parents are
0: elderly, and are they
3: going to be angry about that now?" Well, not if I don't share this podcast with them. <laughs> I already told you about their passwords.doc file last week, which we, so we know is not not, passwords. It's not anymore. anymore. Yeah. Um, it's but definitely
1: not passwords.doc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you guess the title?
3: <laughs> AARP has some mm-hmm. articles out there of things to do to protect yourself, and um, DHS has some articles out there, and there are some classes, you know, at the library. But there's not a really unified mm-hmm. approach to here's what you do. And then all those things tend to be really scary and fear-based, anyway. So if you read one terrifying article, you you may not go back and read more of them. Right right, right,
1: right. Yeah, and I feel like we even as a community don't have comprehensive sets of guidelines, right? Like I know it, I have in my head these yeah. are the things like. If I could fix of one person, this is what they could do. But th- I think part of it is you have competing kind of education from at your workplace. You have certain expectations. They make you change your password every now and then. And then you're really annoyed because you just add another number at the end. <laughs> yeah. If you're like... Definitely not like me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you know, and and so Mm -hmm. they they have. So they think, like, oh, that's, like, corporate. Like, that's my, for work. That's right. right. This is for sensitive stuff. But this is my Uh home thing, right? Like, what do I care about? They said,
3: I don't do anything on my computer. Like, you file your taxes? So, and, like, and I will give their workplace this. They could explain spearfishing expertly. They could tell me all about that because both of their workplaces had trained Mm, on mm -hmm, that. Right. Um, But a lot of these other things, and they expressed frustration that they didn't really know how to secure their home environment.
2: Right. Right. So this actually brings up another aspect, which is behavior and all the science around Mm -hmm. what dictates behavior and how you go about changing behavior. Mm -hmm. And one of the key things is you've got to make stuff simple. Yep. Um, so it's not usually that people don't want to do stuff. It's just that they don't have that, that energy, that bandwidth, abil- that ability to do complex things yeah. where there's a yep. much simpler pathway.
0: So I'll t- oh right. I was, okay, oh, go ahead.
1: If I can just, uh, because this actually, when I was listening to the, your podcast last week, this is what I was thinking about. Um, because, but I think there, there is an expectation. So to continue the walking along the street mm. analogy, mm-hmm. right? There is the expectation that if you walk into the road, you're going to get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Right right so you don't do that you, there's also the expectation that you don't when you leave your house you don't leave the front door wide open mm-hmm. right well some people do right most people do. and if most you people, uh, if you well most i would say hear if down. you got <laughs> if somebody broke into your house you got robbed and The police come and then you say, oh yeah, my door was just wide open, my windows were all up, I don't know how this possibly could have happened. Right. (laughs) Like, like, what are you, joking, right? Everybody knows you need to close your door, even though it's inconvenient. Yeah. Right. You have to close your door, you have to lock the door. Mm-hmm. Some people have, you know, security systems. Mm-hmm. So I think people are willing to put up with some level of inconvenience mm-hmm. if I think that's the key though, if you can correctly convey the benefits. So right. I did right. get my parents mm-hmm. on LastPass. So I'm
3: Congratulations. I don't know if
1: my dad's using it. My mm-hmm. mom is definitely using LastPass, so she has completely random passwords for awesome. every site. Okay. So that's awesome. I tried two factor authentication, I found out on Thanksgiving, it was disabled. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, oh. I have this same reaction (laughs) like don't do that but yeah but but it's hard because you know it took me a long time to to convince that Uh the benefits that you were getting were worth the inconvenience. Mm-hmm. But this
2: then brings in another aspect which is design approaches and design thinking. Mm-hmm. So design yeah. thinking is all around designing solutions which actually makes sense mm-hmm. to the person you're designing them for and doing that in an iterative way. Yeah. So surely with any sort of cyber security we've got to think in terms of working with the consumer to design mm-hmm. solutions that they're actually going to accept and use and mm-hmm. they're going to be fit for purpose for them.
3: Absolutely yep. and we have to think of security as an optimization not a solution. Mm-hmm. So what do most people need to be protected against right yeah yep. there's you can take extreme measures to lock things down but you make you can also make your computer very difficult to use by doing yes. that Adam I don't know if you, you use a program called little snitch Mm-mm. have you seen it uh, no it pops a box up every time there's anything outgoing or anything incoming and it makes my fiance uses it and it makes me insane because I cannot <laughs> use the oh, computer oh, no, every single time be, I was like yeah. I can't handle this Is it extremely secure? Absolutely. Can I get anything done? No. Does he love it? Fine. But, you know, we have to figure out. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think as a community we're getting better at that if you look back at like Mm -hmm. Windows 7, right? I don't know if anybody remembers when Windows 7 was first coming out, Windows was talking about how awesome and secure Windows 7 was going to be. It was going to be great. You're going to Mm -hmm. not, nobody's, uh, everybody's not going to run as administrator, so things are locked down more, and they have this uh, us- UAC user, I don't remember what the A and the C are for, uh, <laughs> prompts that would pop up, and you know everybody's touting this as like, this is the next big thing in security, Microsoft is making this huge step forward. Mm-hmm. So they do this, and it turns out, those prompts popped up so often that people got basically prompt blindness, right, mm-hmm. and would just always click accept no matter what, mm-hmm. and so the malware malicious people uh, Took advantage of this and started just, yeah, they'll just release it. These idiots I mean, <laughs> I'd say idiots, but you know, I don't mean that because they're just got trained into yeah. always right. accepting mm-hmm. that. So well, yeah. I think but what's happened is as a community, we've learned from that. So going forward, we realized now we're starting to think about usable security, right? Mm-hmm. Can we design things yeah. that are actually usable by people? Mm-hmm. Because we know no matter how awesomely technical and beautiful this this defense is, if it requires somebody a user to make a decision on every single time then mm-hmm. it's worthless Right.
0: so parallel example then in healthcare we have run into problems with alarm fatigue in hospitals mm-hmm. and where and I I used to be a bedside nurse in a hospital oh. and we would hear dinging all the time and there was like one ding that you listened for and everything else we basically ignored <laughs> because you well were weird. like it's probably not real <laughs> and my patient is probably still talking to me right now even though the alarm is dinging And so we actually, we as a healthcare community, Mm -hmm. missed a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff, um, like big stuff Mm -hmm. because of alarm fatigue. And so that's an area that in healthcare we've been addressing and maybe there's opportunity for some Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cross-pollination, you know, understanding, right? So now healthcare is very engaged in the notion of cybersecurity and trying to avoid being hacked and held for ransom by all, and I think we may have talked about that on an earlier podcast, but um, it's interesting. I think when, when healthcare people think about cybersecurity, they're like, oh, we must maintain HIPAA, you know, regulations. and golden, beautiful
1: um, HIPAA. Yes, combines, the golden, right?
0: beautiful HIPAA, you know, crashing down over everything. <laughs> um, but, and they think, oh, oh, we must be secure to hackers, right? Um, and they said, and healthcare people think that they are talking about cybersecurity, but they actually have no idea. Right. What Mm-hmm. cybersecurity means. So um, you know, how can we how can we smash these um, fields together so that and, and understand that people have expertise in their lane? And yes, it's really helpful to draw a dotted line between your lanes, but understand that your
3: expertise is in this lane and this other person's expertise is in this other lane.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's one of the big problems in anything interdisciplinary is figuring out, how do we talk about the same thing using the same words? And then how do we appreciate, how do we value what you're talking about and what I'm talking about? Because I have no expertise in the health field. So
0: we needed like a a cyber Rosetta Stone, yeah?
3: (laughs) Yeah. So No,
0: but really, so that people Mm -hmm. can translate cybersecurity risks into their indigenous language. I think we
2: need a widget for that. Probably yeah, a plug-in I mean, <laughs> <laughs> on your phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We yeah.
0: need an open source. We need open source code for that.
1: Yeah. No, I mean it's. A, I think it's. It's kind of ties into everything we're talking about here, right? So like different, you know, different levels. I think Andrew was talking about lanes, right? You have different mm-hmm. lanes mm-hmm. that maybe you want to drive in security or think about. Maybe yeah. in some cases you can take more risks and some organizations less risks. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this is all related, right? But it's but context mm-hmm. dependent. Right, I, but right. it's tough. But the beauty
2: is once you begin to to talk across those lanes, across those disciplines, Mm -hmm. that's when the serendipitous um, discoveries occur. So for instance, if you're looking, let's go back to the the death machines going down the road, Mm -hmm. uh, we know that it's very restrictive if you create a a sort of 12 foot high wall all the way down the sidewalk so you're sequestered away from the traffic, very secure but it just doesn't work in society. Mm-hmm. And you can actually take that lesson and apply it to other play areas mm-hmm. very easily once you're talking across those boundaries.
0: Sure, well and that 12 foot wall then also creates a security risk for the people walking on that other side of the wall that no longer have the Protection of being viewed. That, that's right? right. They're out of mm-hmm. sight. Yeah, yes. they're out of sight. So out of sight, I we are, we've are we gone a little bit longer than we intended to today. Um, but I think we, I, I'm not sure that we solved anything.
1: Did we, we find the problem a little bit more?
0: We have admired the problem. <laughs>
1: yeah. sure.
3: well,
2: I hope we've done more than that. I think, yeah. that's, <laughs> I
1: think we found it interesting. I would be yes. very interested in learning a little bit more about the healthcare alert fatigues and stuff you guys have done there to see if there's any cross- pollination. I think that could be very interesting. All right. I doubt anybody's looked at that.
0: Awesome. Okay, work to do (laughs) next time. All right, right. thanks guys. Thank you. For more where that came from, including our undergraduate and graduate programs, check out the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at sfis.asu.edu. The Future Think Podcast is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation and in Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at Arizona State University. Our music is by Mark Van Hare. Our production assistant is Anna Lopez. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and on Twitter at Future Think Pod.